Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded right. live. Good morning. It is now 527 a.m. The date is the 25th of March, 2017. You're live with me on this morning's Bible study with Brother Daryl Kendrick. Live from Southern California, and I'm excited to be here. God bless each and every one of you who were listening. Blessings to you, Facebook Live. <laughs> they had me on timeout for a minute, you know. Uh, but hey, we're back, and uh, today we're going to be talking about cleaning the temple, cleaning the temple, clean out the temple. A lot of us got some things that we need to clean out and get rid of. Good morning, Sister Lorna. It's been a minute. God bless you. God bless you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, We are going to be talking about cleaning out the temple and how we as Christians uh, need to continue to consecrate ourselves, continue to uh, be set apart, sanctified in the Lord. And the only way we can do that, friends, is there must be a continuous, a continual, uh, we have to understand that our walk is not, you know, God done everything, and we just sit back in, in our little, you know, Christian easy chairs and kind of chill out. Uh, God has equipped us to do some things and uh, that we couldn't do before the cross. And so we must understand that this relationship uh, is, is twofold. God does his part continuously, but he, he wants us to do our part in it, and that's to run the race, uh, continually pick up our cross and follow him, and be sanctified, be sanctified. So these are the things that God is doing in our lives so that we can be fruitful and uh, we can bear fruit. Because God did not uh, just set us down here and say, you're saved, and you just, you know, hey, you know, if you want to go to church, you go to church. If you don't, you don't. You know, God is He's given us rules to the game, even though it's not legalism, but it is his law. And those who love him should not have a problem with following his plan because his plan is the best plan and his plan is going to benefit us and we're going to have we're going to bear fruit in that. So with that being said, let's go before the Lord in prayer, invite him in and get right into our lesson. Amen. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just come before you, Lord, come before your people, Lord, to present the word of God, Lord, and uh, just to lift up the name that's above all names. Lord, we all need this. We all need to be reminded of how important it is for us to clean out our temple physically and spiritually, Lord. We need to do some house cleaning, Lord. So we ask, Father God, that you would speak to us, Lord, minister to us, love on us, Lord. May we decrease, may you increase, may the Spirit of God have its way, and may the Word of God penetrate and, and lead us into all truth. We love you, we praise you, and bless you in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen, amen, and amen. Amen. All right. Um, one thing, uh, this morning, for those that might be in the Los Angeles area, I don't know who, but uh, this morning, uh, Court Church is having a men's breakfast at 9 a.m. 9 a.m. in the Los Angeles area, 2037 South Los Angeles Boulevard, Los Angeles, California. 
1-800-926-90034. And you can go to the website, www.corechurchla.org. Uh, tomorrow's service starts at 8.30, 30, 10.30, 30, and 12.30. So consider yourself invited and consider yourself uh, to be uh, uh, to come out and be blessed with some men of God who want to grow in the grace and uh, grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If you're a non-believer or believer, you're invited. Please come out, come out and be blessed. And when the, if you don't know what the Lord is going to say to you personally and how it might minister to you, it's important. You know, we get men to come out and uh, fellowship with us this morning. Amen. All right. All right. Uh, let me do. That my will will save it. All right. How do we clean out our temple? How do we clean out the temple? Because the temple itself, the literal temple, is not there anymore. It's been destroyed. That temple was taken down. But we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We house, God dwells inside of us as believers. And we need to know that that's not a light thing. That's not something we can just, we should take for granted. You and I have been bought with a price. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ's blood was shed for our sins, and we have to make it personal because it is personal. It was when you make it about Lorna, you make it about Daryl, you make it about a personal relationship. It's not where oh God is so big, He don't really care about me. No, He cares about you personally. You have to always make it make it personal, not selfish, not self, not selfish, but personal in the sense that you understand that God loved you personally. That's why he called you out of the world, and he, he he saved you, and he resurrected you, he rejuvenated you, he redeemed you, he made you that woman of God, that man of God. So to clean out the temple, God always desires for his temple to be clean. We read in the Gospel of St. Matthew of how Jesus went into the temple and found people committing sin by making his temple a den of thieves. Uh, by selling and buying merchandise fit for sacrifices, uh, and by changing people's money so that they could pay taxes. Uh, no doubt the money changers cheated the people in their exchange, but worst of all, they cheated God of his glory in making his house a den of thieves. I want to go back here and, and just read this one part, because this is what we see going on in today's New Age American uh, uh, I guess you could say, if you want, American Babylon, I like to call it. Uh, Jesus went into the temple and found people committing sin by making his temple a den of thieves, by selling and buying merchandise fit for sacrifices, and by change. This, this is nothing new under the sun, my friends, because the prosperity movement has thrived on money. The whole message of their ministry, which is not a ministry, but it's, it's a menace, the whole message is to promote wealth. And hell, you know, if you get sick, it's always the devil's fault. We want to blame the devil for everything. No, no personal no personal responsibility for anything. We want to blame the devil for everything. And even at the expense of telling people, oh, you shouldn't go to go to a doctor. You shouldn't deal with this. Uh, you, you know, you, you, you don't claim this. You don't claim that. Let me tell you something, friends. When people talk to you like that, you need to walk away from them. You need to walk away. People get sick in this world, my friends. People get sick in this world. They get sick, why? Because this body is travailing. Did not Jesus tell us that this, this, this temple 
is travailing, just like the earth is travailing. It's going through a metamorphosis. It's changing. It's not what it was when paradise was first created. This world is nothing like what it was when when Adam and Eve first stepped on the scene, friends. It was perfect. But sin has corrupted it. So, therefore, sin has corrupted these temples, and it's going to go back to the dirt. If we were guaranteed 100% healing, then that means there would be no death. But next time somebody tries to uh, peddle this lie off to you, you tell them, you tell them this, are you going to die? Ask them, are they going to die? And if they're going to die, then, then they can confirm to you that you're not in a perfect state. You're not going to live forever, and this body is not going to live forever. So stop all that foolishness and nonsense. All you're doing is causing people to stumble, and you're bringing a false sense of security. The only security that the believer has is eternal life, and that eternal life is in a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a marriage that will not. That covenant will never be broken. So when you, you get so-called friends who want to speak to you, I had, I had somebody that this week I said, oh, you don't claim this, you don't claim this. Let me tell you something. I've had over over now, I've been having little mouth heart populations going on for the last few weeks now. So I'm not going to listen to somebody try to tell me that my body is not going through some things and I'm not feeling pain or I'm not going through i got a dislocated shoulder. i got to have it's three torn muscles in there. God hasn't healed it. After five years, it hasn't been healed. So what do you say about that? That these bodies are travailing. I'm going to need some surgery on this shoulder or something, but it's not just going to come back together again. He goes on to say that, and by changing, uh, he went on to say, Jesus went into the temple and found people committing sin. We see so many people today going into the house of the Lord with their sinfulness, sinful attitudes, sinful hearts, sinful mindsets. And I'm not talking about people who are striving to do things right and then, you know, they fall short. We all do that. I'm talking about those who come in after a night out of carousing and parties and orgies and Sexual, uh, sexual deviants, and they come to the house of the Lord thinking that they, and I'm not talking about one-time acts. I'm talking about they come into the house of the Lord, and they want to get cleaned up like it's a car wash, whereas the church is not a car wash. The church is not a car wash, and Jesus' grace is not greasy, grimy, or grotesque. It's not. Jesus is holy. When we come together to represent him, we come together as one body of believers to lift up the name of God. We come to lift up the name of God, and we should have clean hands. We should have a clean heart. We should have a right attitude. We should have a mind of God. Uh, one of the things I learned uh, at a former church was you should be prepared on Saturday. You should be getting prepared on Saturday for Sunday morning's worship. A lot of times we're not getting prepared on Saturdays. We don't get prepared till we, we're not even prepared when we walk in the door. We just go and do the religious thing. And God wants us to come into the house of the Lord with a clean mind, a clean heart, and ready to worship him in spirit and in truth. Yes, we have problems. Yes, we have uh, afflictions. Yes, we have trials and tribulations. But we should always, we should be consecrated as unto the Lord. God... He says, no doubt the money changers cheated the people in their exchanges, but worst of all, they cheated God of his glory in making his house a den of thieves. These were crooks, scoundrels. They would come, they come to see what they can get. 
kill, steal, and destroy. But God came to give us life and life more abundantly. And the abundant life is not necessarily a rich life down here, friends. The abundant life is not about money and greed and covetousness. Jesus drove them out with the sound of his voice and, it, and the look on his, upon his face. Read in Matthew 21, 12 through 17, and Jesus went into the temple of God and cast, them, cast out all of them that sold and bought the, te- in, uh, the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, it is written by my house, uh, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things he did, and the children crying in the temple and said, Hosanna to the son of David, they rose, they were sore, displeased, and said unto him, Hearest thou what these, uh, what these say? And Jesus said unto them, Yea, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? And he left them and went out of the city into Bethany, and he lodged there. There was one previous time. When Jesus drove out the crooked people with a whip of cords, See, Jesus was not whip, a whippy. He was not a whip, friends. Too many people treat Jesus like he just loved everything and everything people did, and, you know, he was passive and just let everything go. That's not the Jesus that I serve. The Jesus I serve went to the cross, friends, and I don't think none of y'all would have went to the cross and took the beatings and the floggings that he took, punched in the face, spit up on, his beard plucked out his face, you wouldn't, have took, you wouldn't have done that, especially, and it wouldn't have mattered if you did because you wouldn't have done it for the whole world. The crooked people, would, he whipped them with cords in John 2, 13 through 16. And the, Jews, uh, and the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to, the, to Jerusalem and found in the temple again those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables and said unto them that, uh, that sold doves, take these things, hence make not my father's house a house of merchandise. We see here that Jesus was defending the temple, which his father, it represented the glory of God. It represented who God was. It was supposed to be a house of prayer, and they told it into they turned it into a house of degradation, degradation, and they had the nerve to sneak and do the same thing again, but this second time, just the sound of his voice and the look upon his face caused them to flee. He turned over their tables and loosed their sacrificial animals. He, the first time, accused them of making the temple of God a house of merchandise. This second time, he accused them of making the temple of God a den of thieves. We are also told in God's word that our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. We read in 1 Corinthians 3.16, Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. We are also told we are to take care of God's temple. In 1 Corinthians 3.17, he says, If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Here we see, friends, I believe this can this can define uh, this will tell us how 
much much people nowadays in the in the culture that we live in, you see so many people putting tattoos on their bodies. I believe it's a defilement of the temple, and I can prove it from scripture. The Greek word for, for defile means to spoil, ruin, or deprave, corrupt, or to destroy. That's what the word means in the Greek. It means to uh again to uh spoil ruin or deprave that's what people were doing look you mark all your body up with all these scars on it uh, all this ink on it and then half the time you can't even read what people got on their body but it's really a, a, a form of drawing attention to yourself now these young kids are putting it all on their face they tattooing their head all these temp- all these markings what are you who are you really uh, worshiping what are you giving your your temple to because I believe it's a form of worship to an idol, to some kind of idol, whether it's money or something. Whatever you put on there, if you ain't put, most of these people don't have Jesus on their body. They'll have a cross on them. But even if they do, it don't matter because that, that doesn't mean anything if you're not worshiping him in spirit and in truth. The Greek word for holy is hagia, sacred, pure, blameless, or consecrated. The believer is to be holy, pure, blameless, and consecrated. Consecration is something that we do daily. We need to consecrate ourselves from the pollutions of this world. In other words, I eat bad language, people that speak a lot of it. I don't want to hear that all day long. I got to live in this world, but I don't have to listen to a bunch of foul-mouthed folks all day. And I shouldn't have to, especially in my own house. I shouldn't be able to put that in my spirit. We also read in 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 16, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. A lot of ladies, a lot of men, they get involved with people, knowing that that person does not love the God that they love. They claim to be Christians, but they put their Christianity to the side for lust, because that's what it is. It's not love, it's lust. When the person that you say that God is, uh, that you say you want to be involved with, if they don't love God more than you, and you're willing to accept that, then you don't need, then that tells me you don't really love God. You should be equally yoked. Your partner should love God more than they love you because if they don't love God more than they love you, they're not going to walk with God with you. And you're not going to walk with God with them if you don't love God more than you love them. You must understand who you are in Christ, though, to do this. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion have light with darkness? That doesn't mean you can't have ungodly acquaintances, but they should not be the people that you're really hanging out with. I don't care if it's family members. Some people just not safe to hang out with like that. They do things that you you don't want to be involved with. They do things that are not good for you to be around. So therefore, you have to set, you have to sever, sever, uh, you have to keep the relationship to a basic, you know, hey, how you doing? What's going on? You love on them with the love of Christ, but these things, I remember situation where, hey, one a family member of mine, he wanted me to hang out, hang out, hang out when I was up in Arlington. And I said, no, I can't do that. Well, he got to the point after a month, he got so mad, put me out. So, hey, I'm not compromising. If I'm going to go, if I'm going to sin, I'm not going out there and have, go with somebody else and show them, show them the ugly side of my life or the things that I'm struggling with. I'm not going out there and cause them to stumble. I don't need to do that. I've been there. I know, I know how to sin well. You don't never forget your real nature. 
But to live a holy life, to live a consecrated life, to live a life set apart, that takes an everyday consecration with with uh, you and God, and it means that we must crucify ourselves daily. And he says, well, and what agreement have the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they should be my people. Many Christians spoil or ruin the temple of God by committing every kind of sin against the temple of God or, or their physical body that can possibly commit it. Many people spoil or ruin their bodies simply by refusing to keep their bodies clean and honorable uh, honorable looking. I have seen many people who, uh, it is very obvious, make no effort whatsoever to keep their bodies clean. Without a doubt whatsoever, God does not approve of such laziness and immorality in the way we pretend to keep our bodies clean. It is very obvious that many people are not children of God, or if they were, they would have a desire to keep their bodies clean. Now, <clears throat> you have homeless people out there. They're homeless. They're homeless. But even a homeless person will try to wash themselves. I, I work down there at uh, Fred Jordan Mission from time to time on Skid Row, and those people have five little five-gallon jugs, and they keep themselves clean to the best that they can do. They they strive to, you know, they live in tents on the streets down there, right in the heart of, of, uh, of downtown Los Angeles. And guess what? People will still, they strive to keep themselves clean. So there's no there's really, really no excuse unless you don't have the water or soap. But those things are passed out down there on Skid Row, too. They give them two, plates, two brushes, soap, body wash, things like that. So... God, they know how to keep themselves clean. <clears throat> they have, they would have a desire to dress their bodies in a decent fashion rather than go around like worldly garbage cans. A Christian person is going to have, uh, have a desire to smell good, look good, and have a desire for their physical temple of God to be as respectful looking as the material temple of God rather than going around like they haven't had a bath in six months and wearing clothes, which looks like they came out of a garbage dump. Now, again, there are people that don't have the necessities, but they'll try, they'll find some water, they'll find some soap, and they'll get, they'll, they'll wash themselves up to the best of their ability. There's homeless people out there that will keep themselves clean. We're not talking about them. We're talking about people that have a home and have access to all of the daily things, and then the, the water and the, the clothing and everything, but they refuse to wash themselves. Some people like that. We have people coming to the house of God today looking like they are going to a fashion show or something wearing clothes which expose half of their body or wearing shorts so short and tight that they would burst out if they bent over to tie their shoes. I've seen it. I know it exists. This is a problem in God's house. This is a problem when we as the ecclesia, the bride of Christ, come together to worship him in spirit and in truth, and we are not representing who God is and what he does. God wants us to be the, the, the example of who he is when we come. And guess what, friends? Let's not be naive. Women know what they wear when they come to the house of the Lord. We, we see the, the worst thing that we did in the church, in the New Age modern church, is we said, come as you are and stay, stay keep dressing the way you always dress. That was a wrong, wrong idea. Yes, we want people to come into the house of God, but change or re uh, new life and in Christ means a change of 
who you, what you used to dress like, what you used to talk like, what you used to live like. God wants us to be representatives of him. Just saying I go to this church or that church doesn't make you part of the ecclesia. You're just hanging out with Christians doesn't make you a Christian. No more than me hanging out at a hospital is going to make me a neurosurgeon. God wants us to represent in body, soul, and spirit, and wants us to represent what, how, by how we wear. Ladies should come to, clo- come to the house of the Lord, not uh, being a stumbling block for your brothers. Don't come in there to cause your brothers to stumble. Dress appropriate. You know how you know how you built, and you know what you bring to the table as far as how you built. If you're wearing certain things that shows more of your more of your body, then it's time to cover up, ladies. I ain't saying you got to dress like some nun, but you need to dress a way where you're not drawing attention to your behind, your breasts, your beauty, none of that. That's not what the church is for. You go to you go somewhere else with that. That's not what the church is for. We're not there to see you. We're there to worship God in spirit and in truth. Now, I understand that newborn babes that just come into the house of the Lord, they have to work it out. They have to walk out and work out their salvation with fear and trembling. They're in a process of coming out of that baby stage. But you wouldn't let, no, no more, you would not, I mean, women know that they can't come into the church naked. They know that. A man knows he can't come into the church naked. Let somebody store your clothes, you can't just come into the church naked. So you know if you're wearing skimpy outfits, that's being almost naked. You know, if you if you wore that to a stripper club, then you're going to come to the house of the Lord. Unless the Lord led you there and you came there with a, you came there because you were so convicted and God just said, I got to go to his, I got to go hear the word. I need to get clean. That's different. I'm talking about if you've been a member of a church, you want to dress appropriate. It's just, that's the way you do things. You wouldn't dress a certain way around your children. At least I hope you wouldn't. But you shouldn't come to the house of the Lord like that. What a shame we have about, uh, what a shame. We have turned the house of God into a social club rather than a place to glorify God, uh, God Almighty. I believe the house of God ought to be the most important place in the world, and I believe we ought to dress in our very best attire when we attend it. But we just act like it is nothing different than going to the local grocery store, and that's how some people dress. That's how some people carry themselves. There is a vast difference in being poor and just not having enough uh, self-respect to dress our bodies decently. Our bodies are the temples of the temple of the Holy Spirit, and if He is truly living within us, He will convict us of what is right and wrong. I believe that much. Much of the problem is that many people haven't taken the time to ask Him what is right and what is wrong. And so long. And so long that they never recognize his voice when he tries to speak to us. And if we will never listen to him, why should he waste his time in trying to speak to us? There are also many people, including Christians, who deprave their bodies of the things which their bodies need. This, in turn, many times causes sickness and disease. A body needs proper food in order to grow and remain healthy. Many people also deprave their bodies of proper exercise. Our bodies always need proper exercise as well as proper food. When we intentionally deprave our bodies of proper food and exercise, we are committing sin against our bodies, which are God's temples. And there are many people who corrupt their bodies by eating the wrong food, knowing very well that the food is unhealthy for their body. Our bodies are all different. God will reveal unto us 
The foods which are healthy for us to eat. Our body chemistry is usually always different from what others, what uh, that of others. What food may be good for one person may not be necessarily, will not may not necessarily be good for different. Let me stop here. This is convicting to me because me having heart problems and all the things I deal with. This is something I wrestle with, my weight and eating and me not being able to work no more has caused me to kind of go into a slump and certain things that I used to be able to do, I'm not finding myself able to do them as easily as I used to be able to do to the point where, you know, it's more pain and more problems and, uh, you know, things like that. So I have to look at alternatives, but I'm still convicted by the fact that I have let my temple go. I know that. I know that I will take the I will take account of that. I'm not gonna sit there and preach to you and not talk to myself on the same thing. This applies to me doubly right here because I struggle with weight and eating things that I shouldn't eat and all of those things. So, hey, if we, if, you know, a lot of times we don't want to talk about the sin of gluttony, but let's be honest, friends. In America, they push food on us left and right. We have to own the fact that. You know, we can destroy and tear down our temples by what we eat and what we're not, and not, and not taking our medication if we got to take it. You know, if you listen to some of these pastors, oh, don't take your medication. You walk by faith, not by sight. That's a lie, and that's foolishness. That's a foolishness. That's, that's just straight-out foolishness. Don't listen to the morons. If you got medicine to take, take it so you can get well or stay well and, or stay healthy, at least be able to function. It is our job to first learn what foods affect us positively and what foods affect our bodies in a negative way. Many of our bodies are unintentionally corrupted due to the intake of wrong foods. If we pray to God, he will guide us in our diet as well as in any other area of our life. Another way in which many uh, people corrupt their bodies is by the intentional intake of things that they know beforehand is harmful to their bodies, even though many of them are ignorant of the word of God and act as though they do not know the harm which, which, which they are bringing to their bodies. Many things can be learned by simply using the common sense that God gave to each of us. It does not take a great outpouring of God's Holy Spirit to tell a person when they smoke a cigarette or cigar that it is going to be harmful to their bodies. God did not intend for our bodies uh, for the bodies of people he created to be used for smokestacks or for stovepipes. Every every time you see them, there there is smoke pouring out their mouths. I used to smoke for a year. I used to smoke. Quit smoking in 2008, cold turkey. The Lord took that away from me. But, again, consequences, you know, heart disease, things like that, they happen sometimes because we take advantage of our temples, and we think that these temples can do whatever they want to do. There's no way that they could fail to know that this is harmful to their bodies. I knew it was. The warning labels was on the pack, but you do, hey, when you're in Rome, you do as the Romans do a lot of times. That was before I got saved. How could smoke from a cigarette going into the lungs of a fleshly body fail to cause harm? Even though I am not a smoker, I have seen many people who do smoke who have many physical problems due to puffing away on cigarettes for years. What a horrible sin against God, destroying what is supposed to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. I say supposed to be because God will not continue to abide 
in a body which a person refuses to properly care for. We can sin against God in many ways, and one of the ways in which we often do so is in the proper care of our bodies. This does not mean that God will withdraw his spirit from us. We make uh, uh, we make mistakes in our diet or the first uh, or if we take a puff of a cigarette. But when we deliberately continue to abuse our bodies, God will not be in fellowship with us or condone. We can't, we won't condone. You know, we can have the, we can end up shortening our lives because you and I make the decision that we're not going to take care of ourselves uh, when we have the ability to do so. And I'm talking about in the sense of, you know, you know, your physical body is one day going to go back to the earth, to the dust. It's not going to, it's, we're not taking this earthly temple that we dwell in. We're not taking it to glory with us. But we can shut off our life down here where God wanted to use us maybe for 40 years or 50 years. He can shut us off at 30 years because we were out there, you know, doing drugs, you know, doing things that, you know, and it, it could have been in the past and you got saved and you only had two years on this earth. You know, it's like reckless living. You know, if you live, if you live sowing to the flesh in the sense of sexual immorality and being uh, sleeping with all these different people and all these people, you don't know what they got, gonorrhea, syphilis, AIDS, you know, whatever they may have, those things can shorten your life because you don't know when you might catch something that you can't get rid of. But we need to understand, friends, taking care of our temple is more than just talk. It's, it's a walk of life. So it, it comes, <clears throat> we need to listen to the voice of God concerning the proper care of, the, of our bodies. Uh, when, he has, uh, when he has attempted to convict, them, convict us of our sin, if you have ever been born again, washed in the blood of Jesus, then do not, do not ever forget that your body is, a, is God's temple, respected and properly cared for Another way in which many people corrupt their bodies is by the, is the use of alcohol beverages, abuse of alcohol beverages. Many people say that there's nothing wrong with a drink once in a while. Once, once a drink is a bad drink, uh, sometimes you'll get people that uh, in the body of Christ that says, you know, hey, if you drink once, you, you're, 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 you're sinning. I don't find that in Scripture. I find that there's a, a, a moderation. Most importantly, getting drunk, that would be sin. Now, does do a believer need a drink every day? Should a drink uh, a believer be having a drink every day? Wouldn't it be a good look? It wouldn't be a good witness. But if you have a glass of wine, I can't tell you scripturally from what the Bible says that you're sinning. Now, it might be a conviction on my conscience if I saw you doing it, and that's where we have to be sensitive to our brothers who may have a weaker conscience. Just like if somebody doesn't like, if they were a Muslim and they converted and became a Christian, I need to look at my brother's conscience. He would find that offensive, me eating pork in front of him. I like pork chops, you know, but he might find it offensive because that's something in his culture that he wasn't able to eat. And I, I need to be sensitive to that. I would not invite an ex-Muslim brother who is a Christian now. I would not invite him over my house and have pork in front of him when I know that he doesn't eat pork. I would have chicken or something that would we all could partake of. So, God is not holding us under legalism when it comes to having a drink. Should believers walk around getting drunk? Heck no. No, no way. God has not called us to be uh, drunkards and we're falling out. That would be a lack of self-control. 
But we need to understand that it's important for us to keep not defile our temple by being drunkards. And it's important for us that we uh, represent who God is when we step out, anywhere we step out or if you have company over, you want to represent God. I would probably just say, hey, if you're a believer and you have this dinner guests over, if your company, you know that they don't drink, you don't want to infringe your liberties upon them. You don't want to infringe your liberties upon them. It's good to be a person who is uh, just displays some self-control and says, hey, we're not, we'll just have maybe apple cider, sparkling uh, spot cider or something like that, but we're not going to have any kind of wine or anything out on the table because we don't want to uh, cause our brother or sister to stumble. God's words, uh, he has much to say about getting drunk. He says God's word has much to say about drinking. He tells us in Ephesians 5, 17 to 18, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and do and be not drunk with wine, wherein is the excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And that's the whole plight of it. You cannot be filled with the Spirit, my brothers and sisters, if you are drunk. If you're drunk, you're not filled with the Spirit. Your 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 abilities to make wise decisions, your abilities to live a self-controlled life at that point, is not going to be that of a wise person. The word the the Greek word for to be unwise means to be mindless, stupid, ignorant of God's perfect will, and rash of unbelieving. Rash or unbelieving. See, if you're a drunkard, you can't be a Christian. It's, it's not it's not it's not lined up with Scripture. Because it means to be mindless, stupid, ignorant of God's perfect will and rash or unbelieving. The word understanding here means the word understand. But he says, but be but understanding what the will of the Lord is. The word here means to put together mentally, to comprehend or to act with wisdom. True believers have an understanding mind of God and an understanding plan of God because they understand who God is. It says, be not drunk with wine. The, the Greek word for drunk means to become intoxicated to a point where, where one is out of control. The fruit of the spirit is self-control. So you can't be out of control and be, a, be walking with God. It says, wherein is excess, the Greek word for excess to point to a point beyond hope of being saved or rescued. See, who believers don't get drunk? Make believers make excuses. Fake believers make excuses. True born-again believers are not drunkards. He says, but be filled with the Spirit. A person cannot be drunkard, a drunkard and also be filled with the Spirit of God, for God will not dwell in an unclean temple. So many Christians have caused God to have to withdraw uh, from fellowship because of a lack of self-control. Now, let me say this. Some people would think you can lose your salvation. This is not the case here. Believers don't lose their salvations. Fake believers expose who they really are in degradation, not, not salvation. You cannot be a, a true believer and have a desire to get drunk. The issue is, is that person, was that person really converted? So you can be doing a lot of right things and claiming you're a Christian. You can be doing a lot of right things and professing to be a one who walks with God, 
But a true believer that walks with God is a believer that has the Holy Spirit and conviction comes upon that person when he or she is out of the will of God. You're not going to keep on doing things that you know are wrong if you're a true believer because the Holy Spirit will convict you. It will convict you. Your conscience cannot run from God. Christians have caused God to withdraw uh, from fellowship with them because they have gotten strayed. They've strayed far away from God. And God will put you on a shelf. He'll put you on a shelf. You and I are on a shelf when we're out of the will of God. He'll put us on the shelf and, 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 and uh, keep us there until we realize how much we need him. And he didn't really need us in the first place, but he, we needed him. He wants the fellowship with us. He wants a relationship with us. But you and I must come uh, correct. We must come correct. <clears throat> Many people, are turn, they turn to drinking, drugs, and every other worldly solution to their problems and never have a second thought of turning back to God. They allow the devil to make a complete ruin of their lives. See, these are what I call, and what the Bible calls them, goats, <clears throat> pretending to be sheep. There's a lot of people in the body of Christ. Oh, they, they're good when they're good at doing just enough religion to kind of counterfeit and mask themselves as believers. But when it all comes down to it, friends, their life and lifestyle don't line up with Scripture. But see, we're Christians when nobody else is looking, but God is always watching. He's keeping accurate records. And our integrity is who we are when nobody else is watching us. That's who we are. Either we're children of the light, and I'm not talking about Christians who have a moment of sin or, or fall into a, uh, get caught up in a, a trap, a weakness of sin. David got caught up in a in a trap. God never never abandoned him, and he was he got caught up in a big trap. He murdered somebody. He killed. He killed some. He uh, uh, took another man's wife. He had a child out of wedlock. All these things he did, knowing he knew God. God said he was a man after his own heart. But he didn't lose his salvation. He was just out of fellowship with God until he repented, until he repented. It is awfully important that Christians continue to abide in God's word. We see that in John 15. It is the only source of strength to help our bodies as well as our souls to stand a clean and orderly condition. The word of God is like a, a germicidal cleaner. It will clean us of all filth and unrighteousness. When we abide in the word of God, it will clean and purify our soul, our body, and our mind, and our spirit. There are also people, even Christian people, who sin against God in taking care, taking a proper care of their body, of the, uh, body or the temple of God because they refuse proper medical care and attention, which they need. It is not a matter of not having the sufficient financial resources to do so, but some people are just determined that they will not go to the medical doctor, regardless of how sick they may become. And this is nothing but pure sin. God has provided us with wonderful medical doctors, and many people will die before they will go to one of them. This is nothing more than just stubbornness and stupidity. People will go around complaining from uh, morning until night about how bad they feel or how they're hurting, but they will completely refuse to go to a doctor. What a sin against God. Some may say, uh, that they will not go because of the financial cost. But when we are, are when we are, but when when are we uh, as Christians going to 
learn that the Christian walk is a walk of faith, not a walk which can always uh, we can always see uh, the way clearly. We must trust God for our financial needs just as much as we must trust him for our spiritual needs. Uh, I've had to go to many doctors. i got to go today, matter of fact, uh, to, to the VA, uh, uh, because this body sometimes tells you it's like a, it's, it's like a, a, a clock. It, 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 it sends off an alarm when there's a problem going on inside of it, and we need to understand how important it is for us to uh, listen to this clock. An alarm that's screaming in our bodies when it tells you that it's in pain or it's got something going on in it that's not normal. Then you need to, we need to be uh, sensitive to that and obedient to the, the alarm that's going off. Unless God heals us, He wants us to go to a doctor and get it checked out. Yes, there are there are bad doctors who practice bad medicine, but there are good doctors who represent Christ, and they and there's some that just represent they they believe in what they do. They believe in helping people. They do what they need to do to get people uh, well. So it's important for us to realize the importance of taking care of this temple, friends. And it's important for us to understand that God is not slack. God is not lack. God is not abandoning us. The true believers of God, friends, are those who worship him, body, soul, and spirit. And God is still working on us. He's still working on us. One day we're going to be in glory, but until we get there, we need to continue to consecrate ourselves and work out our salvation with fear and trembling, and we need to do so by honoring our temple. Amen? Hey, I'm Minister Daryl Kendrick coming to you live from Southern California. It is now 6.12 a.m., and uh, you've just been encouraged in the Word. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. Thank you for your mercy and grace. We thank you for your, your love for us, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, that you have not abandoned us or left us as orphans, Lord, but you have left us here with your Holy Spirit. He dwells in each and every one of us, Lord God. And he's convicted and and he's grieved and quenched, Lord, any time that we refuse to do the things that we need to do. Lord, we we ask for your forgiveness and mercy and grace, Lord, that you would uh, just uh, point us that uh, put us back on track, Lord. We want to be in fellowship with you. We want to be in right standing with you. But until, and, and we know, Lord, we cannot do it apart from you. We can't do it on our own. But So we just thank you, Lord. We ask, Lord God, that you would just uh, help us, Lord, to do, the, do what we know is right to do. When we feel the conviction. Let us move quickly to write what is right and leave those things which are, are wrong and which are corrupting, and which uh, keep us away from you. But we thank you and praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen and amen. All right. Well, friends, that's uh, this morning's uh, devotional or Bible study. Clean out the temple. Clean out the temple. Uh, I'm sure we'll cover it at some other point again in life, but uh, if the Lord says the same, but... uh, a lot to think about how God wants us to keep our temples clean mentally, spiritually, physically, even emotionally, because sometimes our emotions can get us in trouble too, especially ladies. You're more emotional than men. Emotional 
bondages and ties can keep you uh, keep you in bondage. It's important that you not let that be the case. We'll we'll probably have a part two on this. I'm sure of it. So it's important that we want to uh, continue to uh, work out our salvation with Ben Trembling. Again, friends, if you're in the Los Angeles area, come check us out this morning. Court Church, Los Angeles, 9 a.m. Men's Breakfast at 2037 South Los Angeles Boulevard, Los Angeles, California, 90034. That's at 9 o'clock a.m. at Core Church of Los Angeles. Hey, I'm your host, Mr. Daryl Kendrick. May you be blessed and have a blessed day. In Jesus' name, amen. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.